0: This week, guys, uh, I'll get into why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today in a little bit. But I just want to start out with a couple of verses here. Then he said, and this is the rich man, um, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, uh, he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place, place of torment. Father God, I want to thank you um, for this worship, Lord, for, for Marcus leading us in worship. Lord, telling us, admitting um, his poorness in spirit, Lord, and asking you for faith. And Lord, that's my prayer for each one of us, Lord, that we will be honest with you and be completely open to you and say, yes, Lord, I am poor in spirit. I don't desire your word like I should. I don't have faith like I need, Lord. I need you to fill me up. I need your presence to change me, Lord, for your word says those people who will admit they're poor in spirit have access To the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Lord. And Lord, as I as I preach this message, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll open eyes to really see your word, Lord. To see where we are as individuals. See where we are with you, Lord, in proximity to you. For the goal is to be as close to you as possible. Open our eyes so we can see. Open our ears so we may hear the word, Lord, and listen, Lord, change our attitudes. May there be no sleeping, may there be no minds wondering, Lord, because we are, we are having a, a generation, we have one that's very sleepy, Lord, and, and just looking forward to, to checking church off their list. Lord, we don't want that in any way, Lord. We want to be attentive to your word and for you to give us ears to hear and minds, Lord, to understand. Your Word, Lord. Open up our hearts, Lord, so that we may fall in love with You. Change hearts today that don't desire You. Lord, may we fall even more in love with You today. There's no one like You. Put Your hand, Your stamp of approval on this Word, Lord. I'm very aware I can change no man's heart, no woman's heart. I can't do anything Apart from you, Lord, I recognize my own poorness in spirit, Lord, and ask you to give me access to the, to the kingdom of heaven, Lord, that your Holy Spirit may sweep through this place. And no one may leave these doors wrong with you. May we be, may we be right with you, and may it truly be well with our souls. It's in Jesus' name we pray, we pray. Amen. So, the title of my sermon is A Place called hell, um, a place called hell. I don't want them to come to this place. And so before I get started in this, you got to think about some things. Because, um, I mean, hell, I mean, nobody really explained to me what it was. I do remember, especially when I went to those old school Pentecostals, you know, that they talked about it you know, and basically that you were going there, if you were doing this, 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 and this, it scared me to death, man. I got saved every time they started talking about this place, just in case, you know, I mean, it was, it's, but, but I want to try to just bring this down to an explanation of this place, but before I get into it, I need you to think about some things. What do you believe happens to a person when they die? What happens to someone when they draw their last breath here? Now, my last little kind of student sample that I used, I just asked them, you know, I mean, no religious pretense whatsoever. I just wanted to know what happens to you when you die. And the first response I got was nothing. Nothing happens to you. You're dead. That's it. I said Okay. How about you? What do you think? Well, something happens, but I don't know. Something. You know, and then somebody agreed with the nothing, and somebody agreed, you know, with the other, and uh, with the something, and, you know, and then one person says, I know, I know. I said, What? What is it? They said, Well, I believe that you do go to heaven, and in heaven is your soulmate, that you just get to be with them for eternity, you know, in, in like a paradise or anything. I said, Okay. And one person wasn't responding at all. And I said, well, you got any ideas? Sure. You become a cloud. I said, okay. Um, So what do you believe happens? You know, as a Christian, from a biblical worldview, you know, we believe, you know, or I believe, that there's two places you can go. Heaven and hell. Two, there's only two choices. What do you believe about the words of Jesus? Because everything I read here is straight from the mouth of Jesus. So what do you believe about Him and His words? Is He the Son of God? Is He telling the truth? Can He be trusted? Because Jesus is either a liar. Okay, because all that, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Okay, that means all roads don't lead to heaven, regardless of how sincere you are in your beliefs, and a person has to decide. Is he lying about that? Or is he telling the truth? Is he the only way? And, and we've got to decide. And if you decide against that, then he's a liar. And he may be a lunatic. Because here a guy comes and and he starts saying, I am God. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And people had to laugh at him. People got mad at him. And they said, Jesus, you can't go around saying stuff like that. But then he would go, just so you know that I make blind people see. Watch this. And he'd heal, go out and heal a man of his blindness. He would raise young girl, a young girl from the dead. He would, he would do these amazing miracles. And people began to say, I can't deny that he is who he says he is. If he is, then he's Lord. He's Lord of all. He's the Lord of my life. So Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. He's just, you, you, you must choose from that. If he's Lord, then what he says about this place must be true. So let's start in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and linen, okay? Now, there's a, there's a certain rich man. So some people believe, this is a parable, that he's just kind of telling a story. Now, that may or may not be true. I'll tell you why I think is he's being for real here in a little bit. But we're talking about one rich guy, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen. Now, to be clothed in purple and fine linen, just for the little bit of research, you know, that I did, basically back in the day, they could only make some kind of purple dye that was extracted from some sort of snail overseas. You know, so this guy had his clothes specially made. If you were in purple, it surely established you as the elite of society. Now, I just wanted to know about how much you could pay for clothes today if you wanted to, okay? Now, you know, so I just this little, like, top ten clothing manufacturer. Number one was Gucci, okay? Any of y'all ever heard of Gucci? Okay, well, that's all right. You say, y'all are the higher up here. Okay. No um, but anyway, I looked on there, you know, and I just bought this belt right here, 12 bucks, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't like my. That's a pretty gem, but I got a deal on it—twelve bucks. The cheapest Gucci belt I could find was three hundred twenty-five dollars. I'm like, you have, for three hundred twenty-five dollars, I better be good to go for a season, like shoes and clothes and everything. Like, not my belt, you know. That's that's insane. Pair of shoes, five hundred bucks. Um. That's the cheap ones, okay? I'm, I'm going the low end if I wanted to be the cheap Gucci man, you know. And then there's like a black T-shirt. Now, it did have like a red strap down here. Black T-shirt, 210 bucks. I was like, you've got to be kidding. So, you know, this guy dealt with that kind of stuff. And he fared sumptuously. And this has the idea. It actually, uh, one word says he fared brilliantly. Every day, which means he, the the things that he ate, you know, was was uh, very expensive tastes. And, and once again, I just kind of looked up. I'm like, how much could you pay to go out to eat if you wanted to? And so, you know, for me, you know, like if me and Tanya go out, and, you know, I fork out like fifty dollars. I'm thinking, man, we had like, man, you know, we we went out. I mean, we we fared sumptuously. <laughs> So, I find a uh, restaurant, Tanya was actually finding, in New York called Mesa. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mesa. But, average per person, $450. bucks. you are you're, 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 ta- you're, ta- you're, it's gonna be like a grand, you know, if you go with like three or four people. Crazy. And, get this. If you make reservations from Mesa, and you don't cancel 48 hours in advance, you're still going to give them 200 bucks a person. It's like, well, wow, you know, I'm, I'm 47 hours, you know, from, well, it's all right. You and your wife just give us 400 bucks. we we'll call it even. We didn't even eat. I mean, but this rich guy had that kind of stuff going on. I mean, very rich. And it's my opinion of the Bible that the Bible kind of gives us the extremes you know i don't I don't think anybody's going to suffer like Job suffered you know and and here's an idea of like you know we got this really extremely rich guy, okay you know probably none of us are going to be that extremely rich and then in the next verse in verse twenty, we're going to be introduced to Lazarus, who's a beggar. none of us are going to be you know Lazarus type hopefully you know we're not going to we're going be that low of status, so here. On purpose, I believe Jesus is presenting the extremes of society. And of course, we fall somewhere in the middle, you know. So are we more like, you know, this, this rich guy in what we own and what we have? And if you live in the United States right off the bat, that's some major bonus points because we are a very well off, um, country. So, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Full of sores, laid at his gate. That's going to be very important in a little bit that Lazarus was laid at the gate of this rich man, and it was going to be up to this rich man whether whether he opened his gate for him. Okay. Ver- and now, I, I got a I had a thought here too, because Jesus actually talks about three rich people. Okay, but but just i was just entertaining the thought could the rich people the rich person be the same okay and and i believe it it, it is possible you know cuz jesus knowing all that he knows and so could it be the same guy so maybe this rich guy is these other two people that we also hear about in scripture so i'm going to go through these fairly quickly luke chapter 18 starting in verse 18 now a certain ruler asked him so a rich young ruler comes and says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, now notice the guy called him a teacher. You know, he didn't call him Lord or anything, you know, so that perks up my attention because I'm a teacher. And Jesus is thinking, well, if you're going to ask me as a teacher, I'll answer you as a teacher. You know, the book says, the text says, um, why do you call me good? Okay, no one is good um, but one. So basically he's he's saying, you know, listen, you're calling me good. There's nobody good, um, but but one God. So he's also kind of giving this little inference. You can't refer to me as good. I'm either good or I'm not. I'm either a liar, a lunatic, or I'm Lord. You have to decide. Okay, but but he says this. He, he answers him as a teacher. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. He gives them the rules, okay? If you think I'm a good teacher, for one, there's nobody good but God. You're going to have to make that decision about who I am. Am I God or am I good? Okay. And he says to these rules, I've kept all these from my youth. How arrogant. I mean, if we went through those, all of us would say, man, you know, I broke at least one of those. Um, so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Okay? And so, when that rich, young ruler, he's young right now, he hears this, he became very sorrowful, hung his head low, because he had a lot of money. He had the means to buy some Gucci. He could go eat at Mesa, you know, and he was to give all of that stuff up. And then we hear later, actually even though it's presented earlier in Luke chapter 12 verse 16, look at, he spoke another parable to him saying, the ground of a search, certain rich man yielded plentifully. And surely this rich young ruler would have the means to do, you know, this kind of thing later in his life. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops. I got a problem. I got too much stuff and not enough place to store my stuff. So here's what I'm going to do I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater barns. And there I'll store all my crops and all my goods. I'll have more space to store more stuff. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods. Laid up for many years. This guy thought he had all the time in the world. Take ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And isn't this what the guy's doing in the story of rich man and Lazarus? Eating, drinking, being merry. But God said to him, you're a fool. You put all your hope into that stuff. You're a fool, because this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Cause him a fool for storing up all these treasures on earth? And he says, "This night, your soul will be required of you." What if the rich young ruler became the older, rich fool? And now, in this story that we're about to take place in, his fate is realized. Maybe this is this night. So, continuing in the story, Luke chapter 16, verse 21. Lazarus, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. I know he's eating very well in there. If he'd just give me what he throws, what he's going to throw out anyway. I could eat, and I could be filled. Oh, I know he's got plenty. Oh, I wish he would share with me. Moreover, the dogs came and licked those sores that he had on. Okay? And you know the rich man had access to salve, to medicine, to anything back in the day that they had that could help him, that could ease that pain, that could ease that suffering. So, this night, your life will be demanded of you, will be required of you. Here it is. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, this is what the the Jewish people believed happens when you die. Okay? And Jesus affirms this that, you you know, if you're one of the saints of God, that you, you die, and yes, you go to this. Place called Abraham's bosom, and you are comforted there. The rich man, he also died and was buried. And here's what they believed happens when someone who was unrighteous, who was not a saint of God, happens. And being in torments in Hades, also known as the grave, Sheol, hell, he lifted up his eyes. And saw Abraham afar off. So the implication here is that as soon as you die, you know your fate. Okay, now it's a little different now because we don't have to go to this holding ground because Jesus has already taken care of. They were waiting for Jesus to take those keys from death and hell and rescue them and take them to be with the father in heaven in spirit and sure enough you know it says to be absent with the lord to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord now okay so it's a little different now but at the time jesus was confirming what the jews believed and and, and speaking truth and agreeing with what they believed so he lifted up his eyes being in torments Okay, here's this, this rich guy. He's in torments, in hell, in a place, a real place. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And once again, he saw Abraham afar off. I start thinking, how did he know that was Abraham? Was, was somehow it just immediately brought to his attention that he knew, or maybe in this life he had been to church? Maybe he had listened to the rabbis teach and knew about Father Abraham. And he knew all these things, but he just chose to ignore them. So maybe he looked up and, and there they didn't need to be any supernatural infusion of knowledge. He knew. He just knew from what he had learned on this earth. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me Now did he ever have anybody outside of his gate saying, "Hey, rich man, have mercy on me." What was his response? And and he he's so used to ordering Lazarus around, or trying to get him to do whatever his bidding is. Even in hell he still orders Lazarus around. Send Lazarus. Yeah, he's a nobody. That he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He's not asking for a glass. He's asking for a drop of water. This is how much torment the rich man is in in this place. For I am tormented in this flame, in in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime. And that's one thing we got to remember about hell is that it's a place of remembrance. When I read, I love to read old Spurgeon sermons from the 1800s. And some of those, I think, they're so convicted and they're so convincing that I'm thinking, man, you know, how how many people, you know, got saved just listening to this? And then the thought hits me, there's nobody alive today that was alive when that sermon was preached. They all died. They were all buried, and they are in one place or another. And it's somebody down there that heard that word of God saying, what was wrong with me? What was I thinking? Why did I care so much about the stupid stuff of this world? What was I thinking? I'd give anything to go back and have one more shot at that preacher who told me exactly what I needed to do, but I loved the stuff and the things of this world too much to receive it and accept it and to humble myself before a holy God and learn to love Him and learn to serve Him. Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. Now... He's comforted in Abraham's bosom. And you're tormented in the flames of hell. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. While we're remembering, rich man, you remember when you had that nice expensive gate put up? And if you didn't open it, Lazarus couldn't come in, right? And you liked to keep him out there outside those gates, and there was no way he could get into your table to eat the crumbs that he desired to eat from your table. Well, now, there's a great gulf fixed between where you are and where we are. So that those who want to pass from here to you, I have no idea why anybody would want to do that. Pass from here to you? I doubt anybody like, man, I don't want to go down there. I'm getting ripped off. Nor can those pass from you, where you are, to us. All we're doing is the same thing. Lazarus, he just wanted a little bit off your table. Now you, you just want a little bit of water, which is what we got plenty of up here. Lazarus just wanted in your gate to be in your presence. You wouldn't let him. Now we got this great gulf fixed. You want into our presence and you can't do it. You're being done exactly like you did other people on this earth. And so the rich man feels the hopelessness of his own situation in this place called hell. And now he turns his attention. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, I beg you, pleading with you, that you would send him, send Lazarus, order him around, still, still ordering him around, that you send him to my father's house. For I got five brothers, and now all of a sudden, he cares about the lost, especially his lost family members. I got five brothers, and they are headed to the same place because they got the same attitude towards uh, the others. They got the same attitude towards money. It's all about themselves. Please send Lazarus that he may testify to them. Say, look, I'm back from the dead, guys. There, there is an afterlife. There is. You're either going to one place or the other. Get right with the Lord. Hey, now, all of a sudden, he wants some hardcore preaching, lest they also come to this place. I don't want my family to come here, which is which is always interesting when you read about lost people. Uh, one of my favorite guitar players from back in the day, you know, he died, and didn't even come close to honoring God. He was the sex, drug, and rock and roll lifestyle. And I remember pulling out my guitar magazine and people just kind of wrote these um, dedications to him. And one of my other favorite guitar players, he was like, man, I loved that guy, but now he's in God's tavern throwing him back with Jesus. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, is there something in him that really believes that? And and there is this thing, well, like, well, at least if I go to hell, all my friends will be there. Now, I wonder if on the Titanic, the day that it sunk, when the lifeboats were out, if there was absolutely any comfort in the fact, well, at least my wife's with me. At least my kids are out here while the ship's going down it. Man, this ain't such a bad place to be. No, it is not. The rich man understood. There's going to be, I don't care how many people or who it is with me here in hell, please don't come to this place of torment. Verse 29. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let me tell you what they have, rich man. They got the same thing you had. They got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy, which Moses wrote. They have the prophets. They got Daniel. They got Jeremiah. They got Ezekiel. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. They, they got the they got this right here. They've got it. They got the same opportunity to, to read it. That you did. They got the same opportunity to act on it. As you did. They've got this. This is what God provided. Let them hear this. And he said no Father Abraham. No. But if somebody. If one person would just go back to them from the dead. They'll repent. And you would think that would be true. If somebody came back from the dead, you've been dead. This is amazing to even see you here. Okay, and they say, listen, I just want you to know all that's true. Everything that that, uh, Moses and all those guys said, it's true. You need to live it. Okay, wow, you came back from the dead to tell me that. You You would think that might would help. But according to Abraham, it won't help. He said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Because guys, today, there are countless people who refuse to serve the Lord. The only reason I choose Christianity over them all, I had a lady ask me the other day, Really, Adam? Don't all the roads, no matter what you believe, don't they kind of all go to the same place? I said, there's one verse that annihilates that that Jesus said, and I've got to decide if he's a liar or if he's Lord. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's why I'm going with him. And the other reason I'm going with him is because he rose from the dead. Guess what? We have the benefit today of what this rich man wanted so bad. If somebody came back from the dead, they would believe him. Well, guess what? We serve a risen Savior. All that would have to be done to annihilate Christianity is to produce the body of Jesus Christ. Back when this was written, they would have loved to have found the body to say, see, it's not true. But what the body was doing was being resurrected on the third day. And he kept showing himself to over 500 people. And they said, listen, I'm not going to go for what I believe. I will die for what I saw. I saw that man die on the cross, a brutal, bloody death. But I saw him three days later. Later in this glorified body. And he was beautiful. And, and we saw him ascend to his father in heaven. And he told us to go out here and proclaim this word. And baptize in the name of the father. The son and the holy ghost. We saw it. We have one who rose from the dead. Are you persuaded? Does that persuade you Today. Marcus if you will be making your way on up here 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 but well, we all must appear okay just like when I think about those sermons and they were all they're all dead they all died From the youngest to the oldest, and they all made their decisions in the 1850s, 1860s, whatever, when they heard those Spurgeon sermons that I love to read. And today, in 2015, you know, we think we got all the time in the world. If that rich man really was the guy who built the barns, he thought he had all the time in the world. And we think that we have... Time, But one day, time runs out for every single person in this room. And we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body. Remember Lazarus? All he received in this life was evil things. Now he receives comfort. And you, all you received in this life was good things and you did nothing to help anybody but yourself. And now you receive these bad things. This is what happens when we draw our last breath here that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What are you doing with the life you've been given? with the stuff you've been given, with the mind you've been given. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Have you ever even heard somebody say the terror of the Lord in church? I haven't. The terror of the Lord. This should be a terrifying thing to be in this rich man's position, having all that you have and refusing to help anybody but yourself. You should be afraid. But we love to talk about the love of God. He won't send anybody to hell. You can live any way you want and do whatever you want. With the stuff that you have, it's all yours anyway. And he, he, he don't do anything like that. You know, we go through this Bible and some men say there's no truth in that Bible. And some men say this is the truth. This is our lifeline. And some people go through Jesus and say he was nobody. He wasn't God. But we go through Jesus and say he's, he's God. He proved it. He came back from the dead. He's worthy of my praise and my life. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That is all I came to do here. Not to beat you over the head with a place called hell or to... To condemn you to hell for whatever, for however you've been living or whatever you've been doing. I'm here to persuade you that we do have the living Lord Jesus Christ who came to save us. We get today what so many, every person in hell wishes they have is a chance, a chance to make things right with God. God, maybe I haven't been doing with the things that you've given me what I should be doing help me start I'm poor in spirit Lord nothing in me wants to read this word help me want to nothing in me wants to give my stuff away help me want to I can't do it without you the rich young ruler when he was he wanted he wanted to do something just let me do something. How about I go give somebody a million dollars? That'd be good enough to get me in heaven? No. You need to see me as Lord and value me above all else. Well, I can't do that. <sighs> Two reasons for you to come down here and pray with me. One, you need to be right with God, that you understand the terror of the Lord in standing before Him one day. Two, Rich man had five brothers. You've got family members that you know are far away from God. And maybe at one time you prayed for them fervently. You prayed for them and it just gets to where you don't. I am guilty myself. There's people that are alive today that I said years ago, I'll pray for them every day till they come to the Lord. And then one day I forgot and one day became two. And one day became months and months became years. I'm guilty as anybody But knowing, therefore, that those people I'm praying for will know the terror of the Lord. Help me persuade them, Lord. Help me. So the other reason you may come down here is to pray for your lost family members who care nothing about our risen Savior. If you will, join me. As if y'all will, you can stand. And thank you for being a part of this, for letting me do what it is that I do, man. I, I really love this church. You know, it's hard to believe it's been almost two years in November. I think it'll be two years from when I preached my first sermon here. And uh, I love you guys' hearts. Uh, I can just feel, God, I know y'all were calling people's names. And up to the Lord, begging Him to save them. While there's still time, today is the day of salvation. And all I want for us, guys, is us to become Lifeline Community Church, where we take what we have and what we know, and we show Jesus' love to the community, and not expecting anything in return. And when they begin to ask, what is it about you guys that's different? We can say, we've been changed. We've been redeemed. Jesus came into our hearts. And I used to be all about me, but what an honor it is to be all about Him today. And I believe that's how we're going to change this community. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank You so much just for the opportunity to bring Your Word. The opportunity, Lord, to just have Your Spirit rest upon me and to fill this room and to, to honor you to, by reading your word and letting your spirit just infiltrate this place and change hearts. Help us. Bring to our remembrance, God, the, uh, the people that we called out for and, sh- and give us ways, open up doors that we can walk through to invite them to church, to tell them our stories of how you saved us, Lord. May the word be proclaimed in our families and in this community. Um, go with us throughout this week, Lord, as we, as we go back to work and let our light so shine before men that people may see our good deeds and glorify you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.